So if you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. And we'll also be in Romans 5 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we thank you so much that you are the God of comfort, the Father of mercy. We pray that we would know this in our minds, but even more importantly, that we would experience this uh, in our hearts. And for those that are going through a a time of difficulty in their life right now, I pray that you would really use your word, use your promises tonight to minister your comfort and your peace. Lord, those that will go through suffering in the future, may they remember these promises. So God, we come to you. Father, we come to you and desire to take comfort in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Wednesday last week after our Wednesday night service, um, my wife got a phone call during the service that Jenny Ledbetter, who has served here in children's ministry for nine years as the preschool coordinator, was on the very uh, doorsteps of going home to be with the Lord. She's been struggling and battling with cancer uh, for much, much time uh, and had different treatments and different treatments and different treatments. And finally, there was no more treatments to throw at the cancer. So we went down to the hospital uh, Wednesday night and had a really neat time with her. And there were several of us there, her family, a few pastors, and she wanted to sing. She wanted to worship the Lord. And so right there in the hospital room, room 7502, we just began to sing, turn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, if you're familiar with the song. She whispered over to Jason and uh, she said, turning your eyes to the Lord is not enough. You've got to turn your whole body to the Lord. You've got to give him everything. And I took that to really mean she was ready to surrender her whole body to the Lord. And it turns out that was the last night that she was conscious. And she battled and struggled in the hospital till Monday about 1230 and she went home to be with the Lord. She's 41 years old. Many of you know her. Her and Jason have attended RMC their whole married life, Um, got married their senior year of of college. Pastor Bob Guevara, who many of you know, his first premarital counseling was Jenny and Jason. Um, It's hard for me to remember too many services where Jenny and Jason aren't around somewhere. Jason's testimony of trust in Christ as he's gone through this, and Jenny and Molly, uh, their, their daughter, and there was peace for them in the midst of the sorrow and of, of her uh, passing. And we think about her life, and Second Timothy really rings true, where I have fought the good fight, I have kept the faith, I've finished the race. She fought the good fight, and she kept the faith, and she finished the race, and she is home with the Lord. So there's mixed emotions. I've had mixed emotions this week. Uh, One emotion is just how stinking cool this is for Jenny. How amazing this is that she's in God's presence. That she's beholding her Savior. The one that she loves to worship and the one that she loves to trust and the one that is her life. She, She is seeing God. And also there's the absence of all of the pain of this life. There's no more cancer treatments. There's no more bad days. 
There's no more getting news of a mass shooting and the things that we go through on this life. But there's sorrow there and there's pain there because of what she leaves behind and her husband Jason and her daughter Molly who's 18 in her freshman year of of college. And all of you, I'm sure, to some different point or some different degree are going through some type of sorrow and some different type of of pain uh, in your life. The promises that we find here is that God is the comforter, that he's willing to comfort us in our, our tribulation if we allow ourselves to come to him. So for us as a staff this week, it's a week of mourning. It's a, it's a week of sorrow. It's, it's, it's weird being in children's ministry and knowing that Jenny's not going to walk those halls again. In the kindergarten class, the kids know her on Sunday, of course, and got news of her condition. Uh, and one of the kindergartners this last Sunday, he stood up and as soon as he heard it, and he says, we've got to pray for Jenny right now. And he led his class in, in prayer. You know, uh, there's not one of my kids that hasn't been impacted and touched and encouraged by uh, Jenny's uh, life. And so there is sorrow, there is, there is grief, but there's also great hope in the midst of the grief. So these are some promises that we've been reflecting on as a staff, that I've been respe- reflecting on this week, and I hope that it's a comfort to you. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. If you're taking notes tonight, there's three points. First, comfort in God's character as we press into comfort. And here Paul, as he's writing the Corinthian church, he gives praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and says, this is who God is, that he is the Father of mercy and he is the God of all comfort. The very nature of God is that he is a father. I'm very thankful that I have a wonderful earthly dad, Glenn Cartier, who was very merciful to me all of my growing up years. And I have a tremendous, just a file full, flooded with memories of my dad's kindness, of relationship with my dad, whether it's a fishing trip or a hunting trip or him giving me counsel in high school or giving me the discipline that I needed that I didn't appreciate a ton at the time, but appreciate it in in manhood. And my relationship with my dad, even from a young age, was a place of comfort, a place of being able to come to him as, as a refuge. It's hard to really get very far in God's comfort if you don't grasp him as your father. And I know for some that this is a difficult topic because you go, well, Eric, you had a great, you have a great earthly dad. My earthly dad provided all of this pain in my life, and it makes it difficult for me to relate to God as father. Don't view God through your own earthly father. Don't allow your earthly father to destroy who God is. And understanding that he is the father that will never leave you or forsake you. He's the father that will never harm you. And he describes himself, one, as the father of mercy. And mercy is not giving us the judgment we deserve, but it's also his everlasting love. Mercy means everlasting love. God's unconditional love is given to us. And as we go through the pain in life and sorrow and loss in life, where we're going to experience comfort is in the arms of our father. 
is running to him to be able to cry out to him and say, Daddy. In Romans 8, it says, The spirit within us cries out, Abba, Father, which literally means Daddy. Can you approach God as Dad? Can you say Daddy in your prayer life? Or does that feel completely strange? Does it feel completely strange to address God as Father? And God wants to take us to that place where we see him as father, where we trust him as father, where we don't allow an earthly father to define him for us and come to him and realize you're the father of mercy and you're the God of all comfort. What God is communicating here is that he owns comfort. He's the God of all comfort. He has that ability to provide comfort in our relationship with him. Verse 4 who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He comforts us in all our tribulation. The promise here is that there's no tribulation, there's no trial, there's no pain that's deeper than God's comfort. God's comfort is greater than all pain says he will comfort us in all of our tribulation if we're willing. Now, the interesting thing about tribulation is it comes in all shapes and sizes, doesn't it? Some is very big and catastrophic, but some small. Sometimes it feels so small that we feel guilty and even desiring to come to the Lord for for comfort. We go, man, I've got a miserable cold and it's making my life difficult, but I doubt that God really wants to comfort me in my cold. Right? I'm not going to come sniveling to God about the fact that I don't feel good and I've gone through a box of Kleenexes in six hours. Right? In the grand scheme of life, it's, it's not huge pain, but in the moment, there's some, there's some pain there. You know, there, there's pain in finances and difficulty in finances, and as hard as that is, it's, it's just money compared to the loss of a loved one or chronic, chronic pain. But God doesn't distinguish and say, well, If it's big, then come to me. If it's small, get through it on your own. But he's willing to comfort us in all of our tribulation. And just the truth that there isn't a pain that's greater than his comforting is encouraging. Amen? So he's the God of all comfort. So how do we enter into this? If this is who God is, how do we get to a place tonight where we're experiencing his comfort? I think we need to come to him frequently and often. And we need to trust him at his word. We need to trust him at his word. Come to him pouring out our hearts as we've been learning in the Psalms and placing our trust in him. We're gonna enter into his comfort. But church, wrestle in this space. Wrestle in this place of saying, God, I believe your word that you are the God of all comfort and you're the father of mercy and I have the pain and you promise the comfort. So I'm coming to you and I'm waiting upon you until... I receive the comfort. There's, there's a bit of wrestling there. There's a bit of pressing in there. It's like a, a lid saying, oh, I, gotta, I gotta get this lid open, right? I gotta get to this, this comfort to receive it. And the lesson that we find in verse four is that as God does comfort us, it's for the purpose of making us comforters. We're comforted so that we can comfort others. And what's unique about verse four is that we're to comfort in any trouble. 
So we may think in our minds, unless I've gone through a trial that's very similar to what they've gone through, I can't provide comfort. But the truth of what the scripture is saying is you're able to be a comforter in any trouble. Maybe you haven't gone through what they've gone through. Nothing even close, but you have gone through pain and experienced God's comfort, so you're then able to be a comforter. What was a comfort to you in the pain that you were going through? Was it someone talking your ear off? Was that comforting in those darkest hours? You know, was it comforting for someone to thump you upside the head with a Bible? Say, you listen up. You're like, thanks for the comfort, man. It's awesome. You know, could you please hit me again, right? So in which way were you comforted? then you pass on that comfort to others and bring them to the arms of that merciful Father. Please listen to this. When we go through pain and sorrow, we become better listeners. We become better listeners. Job's friends made the mistake of talking too much when Job was going through trial. And they would have been better off listening. And when you suffer, you develop the ability to sit with someone in their pain and listen and pray and offer compassion and at the right moments be able to encourage with the truth of of Scripture. But the pain's not lost. The pain's redeemed in making us comforters to others. Paul goes on and says, For the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolations also abound through Christ. Paul's speaking in his own life and says, to the degree that I suffer is to the degree that I'm able to experience the encouragement of Christ. He saw his suffering as an opportunity to know Jesus in a, in a greater way. And do we see our suffering that way? Okay, this is an opportunity for me to know Christ in a deeper way. Verse 6 Now, if we are afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for the enduring, the same suffering which we also suffer, or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Paul's declaring, our suffering is for your benefit. Paul, in his spiritual maturity, knew sometimes God's going to allow me to suffer so that Believers can be built up and unbelievers can see the reality of who God is. God sent his son to suffer on the cross so that we could be saved. So part of following Christ is accepting suffering so that God's message can get out. Some messages are heard, but the best messages are lived. The reality of God being a refuge and a comfort and sustaining is seen as believers walk through difficulty and as fellow believers, we go, wow, wow. There's a reality of God that's being revealed in your life. Unbelievers go, there's something different about you. Those unbelievers listening for several days from Jenny's room and hearing the worship songs being sung and scripture being read, like something different is happening in there. And Paul understands this. And for us to be able to come to that same point of maturity and realizing God's gonna use suffering 
to build up other believers and reach unbelievers. Have you ever prayed, I want my life to count? I want my life to be used for God's glory. I want to be used to see people be born again and come into the kingdom. Part of the answer to that is God says, okay, I'm going to let you suffer. Because as we suffer, that becomes the platform for God's message to be able to be displayed. In verse 7, in our hope for you is steadfast because we know that we are partakers of the suffering, so also you will be partakers of the consolation. Paul has peace about the suffering that the church of Corinth is going to go through because as they partake of the suffering, they're going to partake of the encouragement as well. Sometimes it's harder to see those that we love suffer than for us to even suffer ourselves. One of the things we have to wrestle through with suffering is going, okay, God, I have a peace about my loved one suffering because I know that in the midst of that suffering is going to be an opportunity for them to know Jesus in a greater way. So I can accept it. I don't like it, but I'm going to accept it because I know that you're working Jesus into them through the suffering. In verse 8, Paul gets real honest. He says, we don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we even, so that we despaired even of life. Paul's like, this really hurt. When we, in Asia, we were struggling and we despaired even of life. Don't think for a minute that being a believer means that you can't be honest about the pain of your trial. If you're going through suffering and difficulty and you're like, I'm so overwhelmed, even despairing of life, don't walk into church, to Rocky Mountain Calvary, and go, oh man, things are great. Praise the Lord. Just thanking God for the suffering over here, right? That's not where you're at. That's not genuine. You know what's genuine? Is to be like the Apostle Paul. Say, I'm getting my can kicked, and it hurts. I really wish that I wasn't getting my can kicked. Could you, could you pray for me? Paul had the humility to be honest about it. Verse 9, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Trials, pain, and sorrow does a good job of causing us to not trust in ourselves. But we realize, man, I don't have the strength. In me dwells no good thing. I'm going to have to trust the Lord in this. So Paul says, I had the sentence of death in ourselves, so that I wouldn't trust in myself, but I'd trust in God who raises the dead. I love verse 10. It's worth underlining and meditating on. Who delivered us from such a great death and does deliver us, and whom we trust that he will still deliver us. God has saved us. If you're the child of God, you've trusted Christ for salvation. He's delivered you from death, your greatest need, provided salvation. Think about God's deliverance in the past with salvation and situations that you've gone through. This promise that he's going to continue to deliver us and what we're going through, and then this expectation in the future that he is going to deliver us. Verse 11, you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Paul asked for prayer. If you're going through trial, ask for prayer. If you're going through sorrow, reach out. Say, hey, would you pray for me? Call the church office. Pray for me. Come down for prayer. 
text those trusted friends and say, pray for me because we need it. Turn with me over to Romans 5. Second point for us tonight is we're comforted by God's process. We're, we're comforted by God's character, but we're also comforted by God's process. Check this out in verse 1 of, of Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, the first part of Romans 5 is like shouting hallelujah. That's awesome. We're declared righteous by faith. We've got peace with God. We have access to grace. We glory in all of these things. But then verse 3 gets a little bit harder. So we're going to glory in tribulation. We're going to be like, woohoo! Getting my can kicked here. This is great, right? Why would we glory in tribulation? Because we trust God's process. What's God doing through tribulation? It's producing perseverance and character and character hope. And hope doesn't disappoint because of the love of God. So a loving father who wants to grow us says, okay, it's time. The process for growth is tribulation. There's only so much you can learn in Bible study, Charles Spurgeon devotionals, men's study, connect groups, all these different studies that we do. It's wonderful, it's powerful, it's needed. But God takes us from the lecture to the lab and says, now it's time to really grow some roots here. And it's gonna happen through tribulation. And allows some trial in our lives. And that's what then produces perseverance. Long enduring in the right direction. I'm going to persevere through this. I'm going to continue walking with the Lord. I'm going to continue being faithful. That's developed in trial. Character is developed in trial. Who we are as a person is developed and it's defined in trial if we'll surrender to it and allow the Lord to meet us in it. The pain provides that opportunity for us if, if we're willing. And as we press further in this promise, then it develops in us a mindset of hope, a confident expectation of coming good. God has this. He's going to see me through it. And the love of God is poured into our hearts. It was probably about a week and a half ago, and I've been struggling with a head cold, if you haven't not noticed the last few weeks. Thus, my trusty water bottle. But wasn't feeling great and getting some news on several fronts of some personal loss of, of Jenny's health and a few other circumstances and situations and, and just feeling the weight of the loss and feeling the weight of the, the grief in, in my own heart and laying in bed, trying to get in bed. And you know what that's like with a, with a head cold. And I'm not a big dream and visions guy. Most of the time, my dreams are pretty weird and wacky and have to do with my eating habits before I went to sleep. 
on this particular night as I was trying to get to sleep and had my eyes closed, what I saw in my mind was this tree with roots that were going down quick into deep bedrock. But what was interesting was the roots looked more like muscles, like tendons. They were so strong and they were so tight and they were so interwoven and they were pressing down into this rock. And very quickly I realized the Lord speaking to me that he's using this loss and he's using this trial for me and my family to go deeper into God's love. Exactly what Romans 5 declares and that he wants to use it to take us quick and deep into his love further than we have gone before. And then two days after that, Wyatt and I were walking our puppy. She's seven months old. We have this walk that we like to do, and we're probably half a mile from the house. And I look over, and there's a tree that's been blown over. Big, large pine tree. Hadn't been that windy, but this tree had blown over into some other trees. So White and I go up the driveway a little bit, and we inspect the roots. And I was shocked how small the roots were. The roots were literally like this big. And this tree now has fallen over. And once again, the Lord's speaking to my heart and saying, Eric, it's much better to have the pain and have your roots go deep than to not have the roots and have your life be blown over. And God, from an eternal perspective, he sees our lives and in his goodness says, okay, here's this process. You need some pain and this pain's gonna provide growth and your roots are gonna go deep if you you allow it. And that's gonna be what you need to get through the storms later on in life and not have your life blown over. Why is this so important with God's comfort? There's an intellectual understanding that will result in comfort. For us to look in our minds, use our minds and go to biblical truth and say, okay, God, I get it. I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. You are using tribulation in my life to grow perseverance and character and hope. And because of that, I'm not going to do jumping jacks or backflips, but my soul can take glory in that because I know you're doing a great work and it's going to be worthwhile. The result is going to be deeper into the love of God. Now let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 4, our last point this evening. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. It's God's comfort in the second coming of Christ. God's comfort in the second coming of Christ. Paul writing. Again, these are all writings of Paul. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware of this. I don't want you to be uneducated of this. It's easy for us to be ignorant concerning those who are in Christ who have died, who, who have fallen asleep. Because if we are ignorant, then we're going to sorrow as others who have no hope. So when it comes to death, unbelievers don't have hope. But we as believers, we have hope. So we grieve. The Bible never says not to grieve. 
But what's infused in our grief is hope. And it's the hope of the rapture of the church and the resurrection of believers. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel. And with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words quite a promise that's given to us that Jesus is going to descend and when he descends there's going to be the cry the trump of the archangel the dead in Christ are going to rise first first Corinthians 15 tells us that this is when they receive their glorified bodies now this makes our minds go huh what so what happens when you die When you die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that. As soon as a believer passes away, their last breath here on earth is their first breath in heaven. However, they don't receive their glorified body till this moment when the church is raptured up. When Christ comes for his bride, for his his body. So then this raises the question, are they up in heaven without their glorified bodies just waiting? And the technical answer is yes, but remember that in heaven, time is completely different. A thousand years to us is a day unto the Lord. So maybe they're waiting a day, right? If they waited a thousand years. But more than it being a mathematical equation, God's telling us that time is different in heaven. So it might be much more like an eternal now. But imagine what this scene's going to be like and the comfort that it is going to bring. The hardest part of a memorial, a funeral, it's when the loved one is buried. When the ashes are spread, when they're buried at the cemetery, it's the final goodbye that takes place. And this cry here, when the dead in Christ rise, is because Christ rose from the dead. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. So we're going to rise as Christ rose. The graves are going to be emptied and receiving the glorified body. Then the believers who are alive at this time, it could be us, gang, it could be us. The rapture of the church could happen at any moment. God wants us living in an expectation of of his coming that we're going to be caught up with with the Lord. Awesome. Watching the dead in Christ. Boom. And then the real comfort of this is the end where it says that we're forever with the Lord. We'll always be with the Lord in that glorified state. When we see him, we're going to be like him. No longer struggling with sin. Church, you know how great that's going to be? To wake up and not have a sinful nature? 
to not struggle with pride and lust and covetousness and all the nastiness of our sinful nature, to be glorified, to be with the one who's perfect, the lover of our soul, to be able to behold him and worship him, to know each other in a glorified state, (laughs) never sinning against someone that we love, never being sinned against, to rule and reign with Christ. He's gonna give us jobs and assignments to do, the streets being paved with gold, What's most valuable here on earth is just asphalt when we get to heaven and we have an eternity with the Lord and we have an eternity with our loved ones. For us as a a church family, this is not a goodbye to Jenny. This is a see you soon. We're gonna forever be with the Lord around the throne room of God and this is to be our comfort. This is what comforts us is this promise that's given to us about the dead in Christ rising, the grave not having the final word, the church being raptured up, caught up to to be with the Lord. This word caught up in the Latin is raptuso, which the church gets the word rapture from. The idea of rapture is caught up, boom. Caught up, boom, that second we're, we're with the Lord and forever comforted with that truth. And Jesus told us, and he declared, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled because I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will receive you again to myself. The comfort to a troubled heart, whether it's the loss of a loved one or it's a different kind of trouble and difficulty that's weighing down our hearts, it's heaven. It's heaven, man. Look at heaven. Look at the reality of forever being with the Lord. This is what we know on two facets. One, as the church of God, historically, we've never been closer to the rapture of the church. Right? We've never been closer to the rapture of the church. Who knows when it's going to happen, but we've never been closer. And you personally have never been closer to heaven. Each day that goes on in your life You're getting closer to being with the Lord. We never take that into our hands. Our life belongs to the Lord. So we want to use the days that he gives to us. But, you know, hopefully by 10 o'clock, I'm going to be in bed tonight, right? And there's one more day that's logged in the life of Eric Cartier that's closer to heaven. I'm, I'm closer to heaven than I've ever been before. I don't know why as Christians that we get so bummed out about aging, right? We should be excited and say, yeah, I'm pretty thankful to get a year older because that means I'm a year closer to being home with the Lord. I'm closer to being home with the Lord than I've ever been before. Whatever trial you're going through, you will not be going through it in heaven. It is temporary. It's something that has to do with this life. And as we receive that comfort, we walk lighter and hopefully we care about things that are eternal. We care about encouraging believers. We care about being a witness to unbelievers. We want to share the love of Jesus Christ and we're compelled to to live our lives with purpose. So as we close tonight, I want to give opportunity for you to press into God's comfort. And maybe you say, this message is really timely for me this evening. I want to lead us in an opportunity to pray for one another. I want to give you an opportunity to stand up 
and allow other brothers and sisters in Christ to put their hands on you and pray for you for a few moments. And there's something that happens in our lives when we say, you know what, this is, this is where I'm at. <laughs> I need God's comfort. I need to experience him as my comforter. And this is for me. And I'm, I'm going to respond and stand in and receive prayer. So church, let's pray together and move into this time of ministering to each other this evening. Father, we thank you that you, you're the God of all comfort. You're the Father of mercy. Help us to see you and experience you as a dad who provides comfort, that has everlasting love, and that we are safe in your arms. I pray for those that have experienced a lot of hurt from their earthly father that you would set them free and allow them to see you not see their earthly dad, but, but see you. We thank you that you are growing us as we suffer and experience loss, that, that you're wanting our roots to go deeper into your love, that it is the process in which you grow perseverance and character and character and hope. We choose to believe that and accept that and trust your work in our lives we do thank you for your second coming. We thank you for this promise that the dead in Christ are going to rise and the rapture of the church to forever be with the Lord. We don't know when that's going to happen, but we look forward to that. We hold on to that promise that you're preparing a place for us. If you find yourself in difficulty and trial uh, this evening and need God's comfort, would you just stand right where you're at and we're going to rally around you and pray for you. And so just have the boldness and the courage to stand. Just wait a little bit longer. Don't miss out on this. God wants to pour out his comfort into your life. Stand right where you're at. All right, several are standing throughout the sanctuary. If you're also in the upper room or cafe, you can look around for those that, that may be standing. For those of you that are sitting, if you would stand up, find somebody who is standing and put your hand on them. And I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. We wanna make sure that everybody who stood up gets a hand on them. So let's make sure that everybody who stood up has, has someone praying for them, someone just rallying around them. It's all right to have a bunch of people rallying around somebody. That's okay. Let's just smother them with God's love this evening. So I'm going to lead us out in prayer. Father, with, with our hands, we just extend the love of Christ to our brothers and sisters. Lord, you know them. You created them. You know the number of hairs upon their head. And you know the words that they speak where they rise and where they sit. And we just ask for these promises that we read tonight in your word, that they would hit home. And that, Father, you would provide mercy. That you would provide comfort. Lord, that you would allow their minds to get around the truth that you're taking their roots deep, 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 deep into your love. 
may you place eternity in their eyes and in their hearts and on their gaze and the words that they speak may it be more real than it's ever been before that you Jesus are the conquering king and you've conquered death we're going to forever be with the Lord Father you know the specifics of the things that they're going through the trials big or small where there's a need for breakthrough if it's your will would you bring breakthrough if the trial's going to continue would you give them the grace and the strength and weakness pray for those specifically that are going through trial and relationship sometimes that can be the deepest kind of pain is broken relationship struggling marriages hurting relationships with kids the brokenness of being overwhelmed by singleness Lord hurt that's happened to them in the past we just ask in Jesus name that you would bring healing whatever happens with that human relationship that you would bring healing you came to set the captive free God, those that maybe are struggling with sin and sin's bringing the pain, Lord, you broke the power of sin. We're asking as a church family that you would break that bondage to sin. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's anger. And they're overwhelmed, thinking that there's no way forward. Would you be gracious to come and, and bring breakthrough? Lord, where there's depression and discouragement and anxiety, God, would you lift that off? In the name of Jesus, would you be gracious to replace that with your peace that surpasses understanding? May they know the height and the depth and the width of your love. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.